Chapter Two of Mary Marie by Eleanor H. Porter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sunny. Chapter Two: Nurse Sarah's Story. And this is Nurse Sarah's story. As I said, I'm going to tell it straight through as near as I can in her own words, and I can remember most of it, I think, for I paid very close attention. Well, yes, Miss Mary Marie. Things did begin to change right there and then, and so you could notice it. We saw it, though maybe your ma and pa didn't at the first. You see, the first month after she came, it was vacation time, and he could give her all the time she wanted, and she wanted it all, and she took it, and he was just as glad to give it as she was to take it. And so from mornin' till night they was together, traipsin' all over the house and garden and trampin' off in the woods and up the mountain every other day with their lunch. You see, she was city-bred and not used to woods and flowers growin' wild, and she went crazy over them. He showed her the stars, too, through his telescope, but she hadn't a mite of use for them, and let him see it good and plain. She told him, I heard with my own ears, that his eyes, when they laughed, was all the stars she wanted, and that she had stars all her life for breakfast and luncheon and dinner, anyway, and all the time between, and she'd rather have something else now, something alive that she could love and live with and touch and play with, like she could the flowers and rocks and grass and trees. Angry? Your pa? Not much he was. He just laughed and caught her round the waist and kissed her and said she herself was the brightest star of all. Then they ran off hand in hand like two kids. And they was two kids, too, although those first few weeks your pa was just a great big baby with a new plaything. Then, when college began, he turned all at once into a full-grown man, and just naturally your mom didn't know what to make of it. He couldn't explore the attic and rig up the old clothes there any more, nor romp through the garden, nor go luncheon in the woods, nor none of those things she wanted him to do. He didn't have time, and what made things worse, one of them comet tails was coming up in the sky, and your pa didn't take no rest for watching for it, and then studying of it when it got there. And your ma, poor little thing, I couldn't think of anything but a doll that was thrown in the corner because somebody got tired of her. She was lonesome, and no mistake. Anybody'd be sorry for her to see her moping around the house, nothing to do. Oh, she reads and sews with them bright-colored silks and worsteds. But, of course, there was no real work for her to do. There was good help in the kitchen, and I took care of your grandma was needin'. And she always gave her orders through me, so I practically run the house, and there wasn't anything there for her to do. And so your ma just had to mope it out alone. Oh, I don't mean your pa was unkind. He was always nice and polite when he was in the house, and I'm sure he meant to treat her all right. He said yes, yes, to be sure. Of course she was lonesome, and he was sorry. Twas too bad he was so busy, and he kissed her and patted her, but he always began right away to talk of the comet, and ten to one he didn't disappear into the observatory within the next five minutes. Then your ma looked so grieved and sorry, and go off and cry, and maybe not come down to dinner at all. Well, then, one day things got so bad, your grandma took a hand. 
She was up and around the house, though she kept mostly to her own rooms. But of course she saw how things was going. Besides, I told her some. Twas no more than my duty as I looked at it. She just worshipped your pa, and naturally she'd want things right for him. So one day she told me to tell her son's wife to come to her room. And I did, and she came, poor little thing. I couldn't help being sorry for her. She didn't know a thing of what was wanted of her, and she was so glad and happy to come. You see, she was lonesome, I suppose. Me? Want me? Mother Anderson? she cried. Oh, I'm so glad. Then she made it worse by running up the stairs and bouncing into the room like a rubber ball and crying. Now what shall I do? Read to you? Or sing to you? Or shall we play a games? I'd love to do any of them. And just like that she said it. I heard her. Then I went out, of course, and left them. But I heard most everything that was said, just the same, for I was right in the next room dusting, and the door wasn't quite shut. First your grandmother said real polite. She was always polite, but in a cold little voice that made me even shiver in the room, that she did not desire to be read to or sung to, and that she did not wish to play games. She had called her daughter-in-law in to have a serious talk with her. Then she told her, still very polite, that she was noisy and childish and undignified, and that it was not only silly but very wrong for her to expect to have her husband's entire attention, that he had his own work, and it was a very important one. He was going to be president of the college some day, like his father before him, and it was her place to help him in every way she could, help him to be popular and well-liked by all the college people and students, and he couldn't be that if she insisted all the time on keeping him to herself, or looking sour and cross if she couldn't have him. Of course, that ain't all she said, but I remember this part particular on account of what happened afterwards. You see, your ma, she felt awfully bad. She cried a little and sighed a lot and said she'd try. She really would try to help her husband in every way she could. And she wouldn't ask him another once, not once, to stay with her. And she wouldn't look sour and cross either. She'd promise she wouldn't. And she'd try, she'd try, oh, so hard to be proper and dignified. She got up then, and went out of the room, so quiet and still you wouldn't know she was moving, but I heard her up in her room crying a half an hour later, when I stopped a minute at her door to see if she was there, and she was. But she wasn't crying by night. Not much she was. She'd washed her face and dressed herself up as pretty as can be, and she never so much as looked as if she wanted her husband to stay with her, when he said right after supper that he'd guess he'd go out to the observatory, and t'was that way right along after that. I know, cause I watched. You see, I knew what she'd said she'd do. Well, she did it. Then pretty quick after that she began to get acquainted in the town. Folks called, and there was parties and receptions where she met folks, and they began to come here to the house, especially them students, and two or three of them young and married professors, and she began to go out a lot with them, skating and sleigh-riding and snowshoeing. Like it? Of course she liked it. Who wouldn't? Why, child, you never saw such a fuss as they made over your ma them days. She was all the rage, and of course she liked it. What woman wouldn't? That was gay and lively and young, and had been so lonesome like your ma had. But some other folks didn't like it, and your pa was one of em. 
this time twas him that made the trouble i know cause i heard what he said to her one day in the library yes i guess i was in the next room that day to um dusting probably anyway i heard him tell your ma good and plain what he thought of her gallivantin around from morning till night with them young students and professors and havin them here too such a lot till the house was fairly overrun with them he said he was shocked and scandalized and didn't she have any regard for his honor and decency if she didn't for herself and a whole lot more cry no your ma didn't cry this time i met her in the hall right after they got through talking and she was white as a sheet and her eyes was like two blazing stars so i know how she must have looked while she was in the library and i must say she gave it to him good and plain straight from the shoulder she told him she was shocked and scandalized that he could talk to his wife like that and didn't have any more regard for her honor and decency than to accuse her of running after any living man much less a dozen of them and then she told him a lot of what his mother had said to her and said she had been merely trying to carry out those instructions she was trying to make her husband and her husband's wife and her husband's home popular with the college folks so she could help him be president if he wanted to be but he answered back cold and chilly that he thanked her of course but he didn't care for any more of that kind of assistance and if she would give a little more time to her home and her housekeeping as she ought to he would be considerably better pleased and she said very well she would see that he had no further cause to complain and the next minute i met her in the hall as i said her head high and her eyes blazing and things did change then a lot i'll own right away she began to refuse to go out with the students and young professors and she sent down word she wasn't to home when they called and pretty quick of course they stopped coming housekeeping attend to that well yes she did try at first a little but of course your grandma had always given the orders through me i mean and there really wasn't anything your mom could do and i told her so plain her ways were new and different and queer and we liked ours better anyway so she didn't bother as much that way very long besides she wasn't feeling very well anyway and for the next few months she stayed in her room a lot and we didn't see much of her then by and by you came and well i guess that's all too much you little chatterbox end of chapter two recording by sunny